Hey everyone, and welcome to the Random Wellness Podcast with Nicole Van Quatham. This podcast shares helpful tips, real stories, and honest conversations about holistic nutrition, natural living, movement, and everything in between to help you uplevel your health, life, and mindset. The goal of this podcast is to help individuals realize that with simple changes, they too can live a happier, healthier, and more balanced life. I'm your host, Nicole Van Quatham, holistic nutritionist and owner of Simply Nick Nutrition. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, friends. I'm so excited for you to listen to today's episode with my friend, Emma Jack, physiotherapist, Pilates instructor, and business owner. We actually touched on quite a few things in this episode. One of the main ones was physiotherapy. Even if you don't think that you need it, I highly encourage you to take a listen. I learned so much. I didn't realize how much I didn't know about physiotherapy. I always thought that it was just in regards to sports injuries or, you know, when people throw out their back or maybe we're in a car accident or something along those lines, but it's so much more complex than that. And she also provides some really good, simple tips for people who are sitting at a desk all day and have poor posture. And then we also talk about other things such as how she got to where she is today with opening her own practice and mentoring individuals and getting into Pilates and what that looks like. And one of the key things that we also talked about was mental health and practicing self-care, not just as a business owner, but just even as a practitioner, or you could honestly apply this to someone that has a nine to five job. Uh, She shares her experience with mental health and how she now mentors other practitioners to make sure that they are feeling good about where they are and all that. So I hope you enjoy today's episode and I'll see you on the other side. Hello everyone. I am here with Emma Jack, physiotherapist and Pilates instructor, business owner, among other things. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. If you don't mind talking a little bit about what you do and kind of the backstory on how you got to where you are today. That would be great. Sure. Uh, If I like, if you feel like I'm going down too many like rabbit holes, you let me know. Go down Um, all the rabbit holes. Go down all the rabbit holes. Okay. Um, So I knew I wanted to be a physiotherapist quite early on. Um, Growing up, I was a gymnast and a dancer. Um, which left me always with some sort of injury. So I spent a lot of time in physio growing up. Um, And I really, I loved my physiotherapist. I loved the environment. Um, It was really interactive. It was, you know, working towards a common goal. And so like I was probably 12, maybe 13 when I sort of started telling people that I wanted to be a physio when I uh, grew up. Um, And so I sort of, worked um, my way towards that a number of ways. I did my, like, even my high school co-op placement at a physio clinic. I did my undergrad um, at McMaster in kinesiology, knowing that that would be a good background. Um, And then I did my master's of physiotherapy um, as well. Um, During that time, I had had a number of opportunities, um, mostly to work in a sport physiotherapy environment. Um, And I really fell in love with that team environment, uh, which led me uh, to pursue sort of more education and credentialing as a sport physiotherapist. Uh, I've worked with rowing, skating, uh, basketball, lacrosse, track and field, football. um, And currently I'm a therapist with the women's Canadian hockey team. So um, it's been, it's been quite an adventure that started a long time ago, but every step along the way is sort of built to where I am now. Amazing. Now, one of the things that I did is I creeped some of your posts online, (laughs) naturally. And one of the posts I really liked, uh, you talked about your entrepreneurial journey and all the steps that it took for you to get to where you are today. I know you just touched on some of them, but you mentioned, you know, it wasn't like you just stepped into this role. There was a lot of hard work and volunteering and everything else that led to where you are today. So do you want to maybe touch on that journey and the, the hard work, I guess, that you put into getting to where you are. 
Yeah, totally. I mean, I did not set out um, at the outset of any of this, even to be honest, two or three years ago, had you told me I was going to own and operate my own clinic, I would have said no way. It was never really a part of the plan. It was just sort of um, a natural progression of how my career has gone. So um, certainly, I think my my journey started off with just loving what I did. I have volunteered countless hours doing countless things. Um, and I really think it's, it's that that has led to the success I've had in my career. I think all of, all of those efforts, the networking, the, the connecting with people is really what has has helped me um, as I've become an entrepreneur. So, so yeah, even uh, like I said, in high school, I, I volunteered and did a co-op placement in the physio clinic. When I was um, doing my undergrad, I worked as a student therapist with the men's football team. So I sort of worked under um, an athletic therapist and a physiotherapist um, and learned sort of some tricks of the trade. Um, and that was all unpaid. Um, I also got the opportunity during uh, my undergrad to work with Canada basketball. Um, they knew I had the experience with football. And so they, they uh, brought me on. Um, and then once I became a physiotherapist, in order to become a designated sport physio, you have to do, um, it can be paid or unpaid hours um, working with sport. Unfortunately, most of mine were unpaid. <laughs> uh, uh, but I, I did a ton of volunteering. And as much as it was volunteer work and I didn't get paid, um, I can really see now and look back and see how that all paid dividends to where I am now. Um, I think all of that helped give me a lot more focus as to, you know, how I work the best and who I work the best with. Um, and has helped me gain, I guess, a bit of confidence too in what I offer to people. Yeah, for that sure. Even answer the question, I'm unsure. No, you definitely did. <laughs> I think it's just important to note too that, you know, we see these people, whether typically online nowadays, but we see business owners and other professionals doing what they're doing. And you think, you know, oh, you know, they started this business and it's going so well for them, but they don't see all the hard work that went into it. And many times the years of right. cleaning and, you know, like in your case, volunteering. Yeah. To, to I, we are today. I often find it very funny. I work with a lot of new physio grads and students, and um, I often get questions, you know, how do I get to work with Hockey Canada? Um, and I sometimes have to laugh a little bit because they don't realize I literally probably put in 12 years before I even got the opportunity to volunteer with them. Um, yeah. So you have to understand no matter where you are along the journey, knowing that each step um, as long as you continue to show up, um, each step will take you where you want to go. It just may not happen as quickly as you, as you want it to. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that's really important to know. Um, how did you know that you wanted to open your own practice? <laughs> Honestly, some days I still, I still wonder if I do. Um, no, I, I sort of got to the point. Um, I had previously worked at a great clinic um, in London and, um, you know, looking at it, there was nothing inherently wrong with what I was doing, but I started to think, you know, once I had done all of my postgraduate courses and I was really feeling um, a bit more settled and, and um, I guess sound in my career, I sort of started to look, you know, 10 years, 15, 20, 25 years out and sort of think, okay, what do I want to have accomplished? What will I feel good about having done? And at the end of the day, working for somebody else just didn't give me, um, that same sense of pride. Um, I, I did sort of develop within that practice a bit of a following and I was a bit more niche having brought Pilates um, into my practice. And so I, I honestly looked at it as a bit of a challenge to myself, like, hey, can you pull this off? Um, and I really knew I had no expectations at the outset. It was more of a challenge to myself. Um, and I, I always knew that, you know, 30 years from now, I was going to be disappointed if I never tried to do it. Um, 
And so that's more what, what led me to do it uh, was, was this feeling of, of just wanting to have tried. Um, and now I've definitely, I've definitely tried and it's, and it is going really well. And I've seen how I can bring sort of my own personality into my business. And that's been really, really rewarding. Yeah, that's really amazing. And I have personally been in your newest space, which is so beautiful. You did such a great job with it. So from an outsider's perspective, uh, it looks like you're doing absolutely amazing. Uh, Thank you. You're welcome. One of the things that you mentioned, which I find really great and interesting is your mentorship. I feel like that's something a little bit more recent that you've gone into, but I'd love for you to talk about that element of your business as well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it was sort of, uh, it was a bit of an accident, uh, <laughs> of course. But, a great, but a great accident. Um, so what happens there is so on my, my business, essentially, I started as a blog. Um, I about two, well, literally two years ago, yesterday, started a blog um, just as a bit of a creative outlet. Um, more than anything. Um, And on that blog, I I maybe in, I think it was probably February of this year, just shared a post. um, It was, it was on the Bell Let's Talk Day, just about mental health and, and healthcare practitioners, um, physiotherapists, chiropractors, medical doctors, nurses have a really high rate of burnout um, and stress. And so I did a post about my own journey, my own mental health journey, as well as some other practitioners. um, Just saying, hey, you know, like, this is what I've gone through. um, And just to let people know that if they were dealing with something similar, they weren't alone. Um, And that post, I got such amazing feedback on that post. And I got so many messages from especially young clinicians saying, oh my gosh, thank you for talking about this. I'm feeling this way right now. How, how can I get out of it? Um, and so, you know, I did sort of DM people back and forth. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a social worker. That's not my scope of practice. But um, I, I really started to see all these messages coming in and think, oh man, these people need to know that other people exist, right? I was seeing how many messages I was getting, but they weren't seeing each other. Um, So in March, I just, I messaged everybody who had messaged me and I said, listen, um, this seems to have hit home with a lot of people. Um, I'm gonna host a Zoom call so we can chat about some of these things that everybody's feeling. And I want you guys to see that there's, you know, several other clinicians just like you who are feeling the same way. Um, so I hosted, I think actually, so I put it out there that I would host it and then I got like 29 people saying that they wanted to be on the call. Oh my God. Um, So I ended up hosting three calls. Um, and they were all, it was so great. I mean, these are very, uh, outgoing, very talented, smart clinicians. And, um, I think it was so beneficial for them to see each other and to see that they, um, it was it's somewhat, unfortunately, somewhat normal to be going through what they were going through. So after those calls, I had people then say, can we do that again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. And, yeah. And so, you know, I thought about it for a little bit and I, I said, yes, but I think I want to make it a little bit more structured. There's been so many tools, so many um, pieces of advice that I've used along my journey. And I thought if I could you know, impart that forward to the next generation, um, that that would be beneficial. So um, as of right now, I have uh, 18 physios um, in my mentoring program. Uh, It's a six month program. um, And we have a Facebook group and we hop on calls um, at least once a month. Um, And it's been super rewarding, but like totally was, I was not intentional at all about having that uh, as part of my business, but it's actually ended up to be um, one of the most rewarding things I've done. Yeah. So so cool. cool. Yeah. Do you mind touching on some of those commonalities that you all share in terms of the mental health piece? Like, is it a lot of it to do with the type of work that you're doing or just um, whether it's running a business 
uh, if you can maybe touch on that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, not unlike any healthcare provider, I feel like healthcare providers go into the field because they want to help. They want to make a difference in somebody else's life, right? right. We all go in very well-intentioned. Um, but I think oftentimes that comes with um, a level of giving too much of ourselves right? Um, or giving too much of ourselves when we're not taking care of ourselves first. Um, I know for myself, I, I said yes to like everything. Somebody would ask me to do something and I said yes to everything and, and sort of that people pleasing tendency, right? You just, you just want to help. You just want to be of service, but sometimes we can do that too much. And I think it's also about, um, figuring out your energy, figuring out how to use that sort of helping nature to your advantage and not let it take over. I think that's what I hear from a lot, a lot of young clinicians is they're just burnt out and exhausted. Um, I think there's also a, a big sense of a bit of imposter syndrome, okay. which is pretty common. I feel like it's very common uh, in sort of a high achieving population, right? All yes. of any, any physio um, has at least one master's degree um, and they've obviously achieved a lot in order to get where they are. Um, but I think that comes with always wanting to be the best um, and we can let that sort of take over feeling like we're feeling a lot of um, the, the mentoring groups, the, a lot of our discussions are around not feeling like they know enough, not feeling like they're helping enough. And so it, it's demystifying some of those, uh, some of those thoughts and breaking them down um, in order to turn it into something more positive. That's really interesting too, because although there's things that are specific to your industry, I feel like that can be applied to a lot of other uh, industries as well. Like, oh my gosh. Right. And like yeah. the healthcare kind of realm me as a nutritionist you know a lot of times there's an emotional element to it as well if people are going through something that's really challenging as I'm sure you have to deal with people that are going through some pretty intense challenges as well so it's I feel like that element of it as well you know dealing with something that can be pretty emotional for people then also the imposter syndrome which I feel like is I'm so glad someone finally, you know, it almost became trendy to talk about because I didn't even know what that was. I didn't have a name to it until in the past year, probably. Right. And I feel like everyone feels it to some extent, but we just don't really talk about it. Yeah. And I, I mean, certainly you're right. It is. I mean, it's, it's certainly not exclusive to uh, physiotherapists. Yeah. Um, I think it is pretty just rampant generally and I think there's a role that social media plays in that too like we already talked about that overnight success it's right. so easy to go on social media and look at somebody's business or somebody's career and think oh my gosh they're doing so much better than I am but you you never really know the true story but it's 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 much easier to assume they're doing better than you um and and I think that almost has intensified those, like, I think that's maybe why the conversation has come up more, um, is because I think people are feeling it potentially a bit more, because um, there's almost that hyper-connectivity um, piece. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it's definitely amplified when before, when I think about before the onset of social media, people are probably comparing themselves to other local businesses they knew of, or maybe other ones they knew nationally or internationally, but there's only so many people you can hear and know about. And now it's, you can find someone new every day if you wanted to probably. Yeah. And you can always find somebody who's doing something more, or you yeah. can find somebody who's doing something that you label as better. Um, but it's without knowing all the facts, right? Yes. I, you know, I am able to look at um, a bigger clinic with more clinicians and more patients and more revenue. But I also know that that comes with less free time, more stress. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not willing to sacrifice that. So you always have to think of the flip side. Yes, they might have this, but what are they giving up in order to have that? 
Um, and I think that's the important piece is recognizing that, you know, people are always going to show the best of their best. Um, and they're not necessarily showing their struggles. For sure. Now, I know that you have a busy practice and you do things like the mentorship. So there's a lot on the go and you kind of touched on this, you know, that self-care element, but what do you do personally as like a business owner who's running short on time to make sure that you're taking care of yourself? Yeah. I mean, that's, I am not going to lie. It's an <laughs> ever, ever growing process. Oh, I'm, for sure. I'm slightly learning as I go, learning on the fly. Um, I think I, I did recognize like early on and I'm glad I had this, um, this sort of, I don't know, I'm, the words escaping me right now, but this realization early on, um, I pushed really hard through the first sort of five, six years of my career. Um, I was very career focused, very driven. Um, and at the end of that, sort of the end of 2017, I felt absolutely terrible. I had wicked anxiety. I was burnt out. I was stressed. Um, I, that's, I actually started that year when I had my first panic attack. Um, and so that whole process really taught me and sort of forced me uh, to recognize the importance of of self-care and of taking care of myself and making sure my needs are met first. Um, and that's sort of the reasoning behind my business name. So my business is called Press Play Physiotherapy. Um, and that came out of me looking back and realizing I hadn't really been living. I hadn't re really been having fun. I had just been taking every opportunity, taking every course, going to every conference, doing all of this stuff in order to serve my career, but it wasn't really serving me and who I was as an individual. Um, that's really interesting. I didn't know the meaning behind your oh, dream. Yeah, so, I love that. Yeah. so, um, after, so I did a second master's degree. How type A is that? I did a second oh master's degree, um, in physiotherapy, a master's of clinical science in 2016 to 2017. Um, and at the end of that, I mean, that was a full-time master's degree. I was working pretty well full-time um, and really not taking care of anything but academics and work. Um, and so by the end of that, I was kind of a mess, as you can imagine. Yes. Um, and so I took six weeks off after that. Um, I don't know, actually, it felt like six weeks. It was actually maybe four. Um, and I traveled by myself and I just had fun. Like I, I went to Scandinavia and I hiked, I biked, I swam in the ocean. I literally went to an amusement park by myself. Um, I love that. And I, I just found in doing that how much better my body felt and how much better I felt and how much more energy I had. Um, and so when I came home after that trip, I really put a priority on making sure I was having fun along the way. Um, and I think that really translates into a lot of the, um, clients that I see in my practice. You know, we're all, we're all sort of running on a full tilt all the time. Yeah. Uh, people who are coming into my clinic, are super stressed, they're short on time, they're overwhelmed, they're dealing with a lot of stuff. And so yes, they have physical pain, but um, you know, the more the more we look into physical pain, the more we can see how that mind body can control some of that. So um again, it's not necessarily within my scope to be addressing the ins and outs of of their mental health, but just recognizing that that's huge. So I try and practice uh, what I preach as best as I can. Um, I, I definitely create a lot of white space in my schedule. Um, I've gotten far better at saying no to doing things. Um, and even right now, I am up in Collingwood. I've taken sort of two days away from the clinic um, just to get away and recharge a bit. Um, and so I think I, I sort of joke that continuous small treats. So to me, yes. <laughs> you know, every, every few weeks, have it taking a day, taking a half day, whatever it is, um, is really the key to my success. No, that's great. I feel like we could all probably try to do that a little <laughs> more often, Yeah, but it's hard too, because, you know, you want your business to thrive. And I also feel like there's a lot around this idea that it's good to be busy 
like it's glorified in a way so that you have to get comfortable with not being busy or taking that time off and not feeling guilty about it too. Absolutely. And that, I think that's the crux of what ties in with like, I mean, all of this stuff, right? If you're feeling a sense of imposter syndrome, you almost feel guilty if you're not doing because that's not moving the needle forward but I I often think it's those it's like in the not doing that most of our like greatest ideas come um and and so it's trusting that process and trusting that taking some time away will actually serve you far better than continuing to push for sure and but it's hard to like think that way sometimes in the moment because you're like you know, I could be doing this or that. And you're like, okay, no, like just chill for a second. There is always a to-do list for sure. Always. It's never going to end. And it's recognizing that sometimes, sometimes the to-do list can wait. Nobody, nobody is going to um, judge you or if they do, we don't care. (laughs) Also like you have to think about it. Is the world going to end? Yeah. If you take a day off. I'm likely not, to be honest. So yeah. it's it's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, one thing that you mentioned was that there is that mind-body connection. And I know that's maybe not like your area of expertise, but I think it is important to talk about because from a nutritionist standpoint, I see it a lot in terms of digestive issues and hormonal issues, the mental health element can really impact someone's overall well-being like they can eat the healthiest and take the supplements Mm -hmm. but if they're not if they're chronically stressed it can wreak a lot of havoc on their body so do you see that stress um impact people's like physical well-being and how does that manifest yeah absolutely i think i mean similar to the digestive issues i think um, a lot of us underestimate the role of just prolonged chronic chronic stress on our bodies um, and what that can do. So to me, you know, if a, a client is coming in with chronic headaches, to me, the most important things to ask and, and to uncover about their story is not necessarily posture or what muscles are tight or what muscles are weak. It's more around like, what's your stress level? How much are you sleeping? Are you drinking water? Like it's the very basic things where we're so go, go, go that we're starting to neglect the things, the simple things that we know serve our bodies so well. Like, um, and you know, the, when I start to hear somebody tell me whether it's headaches, whether it's muscle tightness, whatever it is, And then they also have digestive issues and they're only sleeping four hours a night or they can't get a full night's rest. That to me is a sign of a bigger issue. Um, And, you know, sleep especially is the time where our physical body does its best healing. Um, And if you're not, if you're not sleeping properly, you're probably not going to get better as fast. Same with, you know, nutrition links into this too. If you're not providing your body with the nutrients you need in order to heal, um, that also um, won't help. Um, And it depends. Like certainly there are the, like, there's sort of two different categories to me here. There's the, you know, acute, you can't help it. You rolled your ankle on the soccer pitch or, right. you know, you lifted something heavy, helping your friend move. And, and, and um, that is, you know, true physical injury. Um, but I tend to see a lot more people with these chronic complex issues. And I think I am doing a disservice to a patient if I'm not sort of opening up the conversation around their mental um, well-being, um, I very often will refer clients, and you know, I'm still treating their um, physical symptoms, but then I also make sure that they're they are working in conjunction, whether it's a social worker, a psychologist, a psychotherapist, um, because I don't think just treating the physical issue will ultimately lead to resolution. I think you have to do you have to do the work in both realms in order to be successful. Absolutely. 
I wholeheartedly agree with that. Even though I'm not a physiotherapist, but I definitely see it in yeah. my practice as well. It's not just nutrition, hence why they call it holistic nutrition. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. it's always um, those conversations are hard. Those conversations sure. are hard to have with people. But I, I truly believe that as a healthcare professional, if you're strictly staying in your realm um, and not opening up that conversation, A, the patient's not going to open it up themselves or are unlikely to open it up themselves. Um, and B, you're just not going to get the same outcomes. I, you know, I, I think, yeah, we can, we can loosen up the muscles, but if we don't deal with why they continue to get tight in the first place, um, I, I think it, it, it's not going to make a difference. No, for sure. Now, I feel like I should probably rewind a bit. Uh, I know everyone's probably like heard of physiotherapy, <laughs> but like, how does it actually work? Like high level? High level. Um, okay, so there's a number of different, I mean, physiotherapists have multiple different roles within the healthcare system. Okay. Um, so personally I practice in sort of sport medicine and orthopedics meeting sort of any muscle, ligament, tendon, bone, uh, issue. Oh, that's Um, it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but whereas other therapists, um, there's a population of physiotherapists who work specifically in cardiac rehab. So they would deal, um, with more heart disease and heart conditions. Oh, interesting. Um, cardio, and then there's pulmonary physiotherapists who work more um, with conditions like COPD. Um, they have a role in the hospital with patients with pneumonia, um, anybody with lung issues. Um, and then there's another sort of subcategory um, of neurological rehabilitation. So they could be working with clients who've acquired a brain injury, potentially post-stroke. Um, there's a obviously a huge role in terms of concussion there as well. Um, so physiotherapists treat a number of different sort of bodily issues. Um, but then we also have a place anywhere along the spectrum of injury. So, you know, sometimes I'm working with patients who are just trying to optimize their body and and maybe they don't have a specific issue but there's things that could be better um i never like to say i can prevent injuries from happening Uh, you can never prevent an injury from happening but i think you can optimize things to make people function better um and perhaps perhaps ultimately avoiding the onset of of something um coming on or coming up for them. Um, Then I also deal with clients if you've had an acute injury. So whether it's, you know, uh, something that's happened in the garden, whether it's a a soccer injury, whatever it is, um, any sort of physical acute injury I deal with. Um, And then as well as chronic conditions. So people who have been dealing with physical pain for a long time. Um, each of those different realms, whether it's sort of what we call prehab or preventative, um, acute or chronic, there's, there's multiple different avenues you can go down in order to help a client dealing with those sort of things. So in my own practice, um, I use a lot of what's called manual therapy or hands-on therapy as well as, um, manipulation. Um, I do soft tissue release, um, and then I use exercise and movement, um, as a huge form, I think the body is designed to move. Um, and so if we want it to adapt, we have to move it. Um, so sometimes that means um, using Pilates. Uh, certainly I use that with a lot of people. Sometimes that means more of a gym program. Um, but I th- always think there should be an active component um, to therapy. If we want to get you back to moving, we got to move you in order to do it. Um, so that's, uh, that's kind of how my practice operates. I'm really glad you shared that because I always associated physiotherapy with more athletes and then people that have had like an injury, like they rolled their ankle or threw out their back or maybe were in an accident of some sort. Right. Yeah. No, it's, yes, it's so much more than that. Um, and I think, that's where perhaps as physiotherapists, we need to be better advocates for who we can help and how we can help them. Um, I think within the healthcare system, that's already so 
burdened, right. um, we have a strong role in, in sort of preventing some of this stuff from becoming bigger issues. As the population ages, I think our role in falls prevention um, is huge. It's huge um, with older adults um, so often. Um, an elderly person will have a fall and they may fracture their pelvis or fracture their hip. And that often leads to a hospital stay, maybe a replacement a repair. They might get pneumonia. Um, like oftentimes falls can be fatal for uh, more frail, frail elderly. And if we can uptrain somebody to have the strength and the balance so that we're um, trying to prevent falls, I think that's, that's an important role we have. Um, so I think perhaps that's on us to get the message out there better. Yeah. And because one of the questions I was going to ask you was how people know if they should go see a physiotherapist, but it sounds like really it can be, of course, for athletes, if you have an injury, but also if you need to, you know, strengthen before, like to help prevent potentially an injury or something worse happening and mobility and another one I want to touch on which we can after is postpartum so it sounds like you know there's not just one defining you know you have an injury you go in it sounds like it can be like a wide range of things strengthening it is a very wide range very wide range um and I mean, even we, I didn't mention like there, I personally don't um, use this in my practice, but there's phenomenal therapists that do vestibular training. So um, patients suffering from vertigo and dizziness, um, there's a huge role for physio in that. Um, there's, there's a ton of like sort of subspecialties within physio. Um, so real, like truly any sort anything to do with the physical body, um, beyond sort of organ function, um, <laughs> we are involved in. Okay. Wow. I just learned, I feel like so much in the last <laughs> minutes there. Um, now I know recently you also started working with pelvic floor. Is that, do I say that? Is that right? Like, um, so personally, I don't do okay. physiotherapy myself, but there is a clinician within my practice that does. Okay. Yes. So I know that's not your, you're more in the sport side of thing, but can you maybe touch on the importance of that? Because I feel like it's more people are starting to talk about it, but it's not talked about enough. Totally. Um, so when I went to school, which was only eight years ago now, um, <laughs> it was not a thing. Like okay. we did not learn about it, didn't talk about it. It was not a thing. It's really something that's kind of exploded in the past maybe four or five years um, is pelvic floor physio. And pelvic floor physio deals with, well, the pelvic floor and so muscles um sort of at the base of our uh thorax um and it can be anywhere obviously pre and postnatal um there's a huge impact on the pelvic floor during that time um but then there's also changes that happen within the pelvic floor um through menopause um and and for men over the lifespan um as well um in terms of uh, prostate dysfunction, so uh, dysfunction. So um, there's a huge role for it. Um, anything from uh, stress incontinence, urge incontinence, uh, painful sex, um, pre and postnatal issues, getting um, the core back on board, a diastasis, which is a separation of the abdomen. Uh, A pelvic floor therapist uh, is able to assess uh, the function of those muscles. So it is an internal exam that you can't assess the pelvic floor um, externally. Okay. But they have special training in order to assess pelvic floor function and then help to um, restore normal function within that region. Yeah, so it can be really, really impactful for people. Um, I've certainly seen clients who, you know, had stopped running because they were getting leakage, stopped going to CrossFit, um, didn't return to exercise postpartum because they were having some of these issues. And it really, I think the average is like three to six visits with a pelvic floor therapist can completely resolve those issues. So it can be really, really impactful for people. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. 
because I feel like it might be a little bit intimidating for some people or maybe they're not comfortable talking about it. I feel like it's changed a little bit in the last few years, as we mentioned, but yeah, it is getting better. I think we're still trying to get um, awareness out there. Um, Certainly, you know, within London, it's actually a very, very strong community. A lot of the OBGYNs are on board and have knowledge about it. A lot of the family physicians do as well. Um, But it is something that people sort of have seen in the past as being normalized, right? Okay. You know, women would laugh, oh yeah, when I when I jump on the trampoline, I'm going to pee and right. sort of seen almost like, especially sometimes in the CrossFit world, it's kind of glorified as this badge of honor of like, you're not working hard unless you're peeing your pants. Um, and it's, it's not normal. <laughs> it is not normal. And there's things you can do about it. Um, and it's important to be addressed because it's not something you have to live with. Yeah. And that just empowers people. Like you said, if they're not working out or doing things that they typically would do and after a few sessions, they can, you know, get their life back in a sense. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. It's huge. So it's definitely a really cool and sort of newer avenue within physio, but um, really amazing results. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. That was so interesting. Um, (laughs) One thing I wanted to bring up, and this is just me assuming, um, I'd like to know what are some of the common issues that you see, maybe not in terms of like injuries, like someone rolling their ankle. I suspect there's a lot of issues with like posture and, you know, sitting at our desk. So I'm just wondering um, what you see and if posture is one of the main issues. Yeah. So, I mean, certainly now more than ever, people are sitting for prolonged periods and maybe are less, a little less active uh, than we used to be. I never like to blame posture specifically um, for people's issues. I think, you know, there's no one posture that's like I would deem to be fantastic. I think your best posture is your next posture. I think it's more an issue of inactivity and lack of movement. Our our joints are designed and really like to be moved. Um, And when you stop moving them for prolonged periods, uh, they're going to let you know. Um, So I never, you know, would tell somebody that they need to stay stick straight um, all day long at their desk. More of my advice is, Be in one position, and then 20 minutes later, make sure you've changed it, getting up and walking around throughout the day. Um, But prolonged inactivity, especially at a desk, um, can certainly lead to headaches. Um, If you're on your phone typing a lot, um, you can get like a tennis elbow or a carpal tunnel issue. Um, We are seeing things more and more frequently just because people are moving less. shoulder issues as well, like a little bit more rotator cuff issues. Um, Also too, when people are inactive sort of eight hours of the day and then bless their hearts, they go in, are active. They maybe, it's just too imbalanced, right? To go from zero to 60 and just go really, really hard at the gym. You have to make sure you're preparing the body appropriately for a workout. Um, And again, when we're all really busy and trying just to rush through everything, I'm I'm finding more and more people aren't doing a proper warm up, definitely aren't doing a cool down, um, and are spending more time on strengthening rather than mobility. Um, so there's there's definitely some small tweaks that can be made that can go a long way. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask if you had any like key tips. Obviously, walking around, getting up from your desk, uh, making sure you're warming up and cooling down properly at the gym, doing those mobility kind of exercises, which I know I try to do and I probably look like such a dork compared to everyone else. I have like a band. (laughs) Way better to look like a dork than end up in pain. Um, I think all of those little small changes can have a massive, massive impact. Um, It's just little things. Yeah. What about like a desk setup? Um, I know personally I have a standing desk. I don't, I can't tolerate standing like obviously for eight hours at it. Um, and it's meant for my height, but if someone doesn't have access to being able to sit and stand throughout the day, like, do you have any recommendations for, you know, chairs and computer setup to decrease the stress on their neck and shoulders and even lower back in those things? 
Yeah. So I think I, again, I would, I would, with a word of caution, say there's no like perfect setup. Right. Um, I love the like sit to stand desks, but again, any too much of any one thing is, is not going to feel good. So if you do have a sit to stand desk, making sure you are varying it standing all day is not always going to feel good either. Right. So uh, making sure you're going back and forth. Um, I'm always an advocate for having um, like a big monitor at eye level. Um, working on a teeny tiny laptop is not always going to leave you uh, in the best position. Um, making sure there's, I mean, there's so much now in terms of ergonomics, in terms of the mouse and making sure it, you know, you can buy mouses now that sort of form to your hand rather than you forming to it. Um, having your keyboard in a tray so your elbows are sort of bent right to 90 degrees rather than having your shoulders elevated and, and, and lifting the arms up to use a keyboard. Um, I guess the other thing I always like to make sure with clients is that they have their feet planted um, firmly on the floor. So if your feet can't touch or if you're um, sort of having to put your feet on uh, on the wheels of the chair or something like that you want to make sure you're able to adjust that um, so that your feet can be firmly planted um, and then just varying it um, because again your best posture is your next one. Oh, I love that and I feel like those yeah. are really simple things too that people can incorporate that don't necessarily cost money like just yeah. planting your feet on the ground is something you can do getting up and walking you don't have to have like fancy Probably. gadgets per se. I mean, I'm sure those things can definitely help. I know I have one of those funny looking um, mouse for my computer. Yeah, <laughs> and, but, you know, there's other things that you can definitely do in order to, you know, make sure that you're not always in the same position and hunching over. I feel like yeah. a lot of that comes with stress as well, which Totally. Like it all just kind of snowballs into like one big thing. Totally. <laughs> we can link it all together. Yeah. Definitely. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on was Pilates because we didn't really, we mentioned it, but how did you get into Pilates and how do you use that in your physiotherapy practice? So I got into Pilates well, before I was a physio, um, I, again, like I had dealt with some injuries myself growing up, um, and they sort of lingered on, especially when I became a student and was sitting at a desk uh, prolonged. Right. Um, and so it was actually one of my props that suggested that I try Pilates and see if that would help with my own body issues. Um, and so I started and within sort of like five, six months, I felt great, um, I am more the body type where I was always really flexible, but not very strong. Um, and so Pilates is definitely more of a strength-based uh, modality um, than stretching. And we always, our bodies always tend to like to do what we're already good at. Um, and I was already really flexible. So I love doing hot yoga because I felt like I was really good at it. Right. Um, but making the switch to Pilates had a huge impact for me. So I always sort of stored that in the back of my mind. And, um, I, you know, as I became a physio, I realized that so many of the advice and exercises we were giving people fell in line with what Pilates was teaching. Um, so a couple years ago I did, um, a Pilates teachers training specifically for rehab professionals. Um, and I certainly don't use it with every single client that walks through the door, but for some people it can be a huge game changer. So, um, at this point I have, um, I do run like small group Pilates um, out of my clinic, um, but then I also do one-on-one -on -one, um, exercises with people and, and give them Pilates exercises that they can do at home. Um, and it's been really, really effective for many. Oh, that's really interesting. Now, Pilates, you said, uh, is more of like a strength building exercise. So if someone doesn't have maybe the greatest flexibility or mobility, is it still something that they can try? Totally. So the nice thing about Pilates is that there are a million ways to modify it. Um, so the, your imagination is the only limitation with a lot of um, the exercises. So I've actually found that there's so many things I can get people started on 
really, really early when they, maybe they are in a lot of pain or are lacking mobility. There's so many things you can start people on um, that aren't going to aggravate them. Um, so it's really about finding what people can tolerate and then meeting them where they're at. Okay, that's really interesting because I've always been interested in trying it, but I've kind of been intimidated because I I think everyone's seen it probably in like movies where they have or right. like celebrities doing it where there's like these crazy contraptions and I'm like, um, pardon yeah. me. I, it, pardon I will me. admit the Pilates <laughs> reformer. So the reformer is a piece of equipment that you okay. can use for Pilates. Um, and it does look like a bit of a torture device. Yeah. <laughs> But I promise you, it's not uh, its not that scary. Okay. okay. That makes me feel a little bit better then. I need okay. to give it a shot. Give it yeah. a fair chance. For sure. Um, well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Um, if you want, if you have anything going on, feel free to share that. But if you can let people know where they can find you, uh, that would be great. And I can also put in the show notes. So if people are looking for you know, support with physiotherapy, Pilates, or even the mentorship program, um, if they can, if you can let them know where to find you, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my main main way to find me is probably on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is at pressplayphysio. Um, you can email me. My email is emma at pressplayphysio.com or you can visit our website, um, pressplayphysio.com. Awesome. Well, thank you again. I feel like I learned so much and I'm sure others will too. So yeah, thank you. Well, thank you for having me on. It's been awesome. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you could take the time to rate and review, that would be greatly appreciated. If you leave a review, then I will enter you into a draw and I will announce the winner next week. The winner will receive a copy of the Holistic Wellness Roadmap ebook that includes close to 200 pages in content and healthy recipes. But before you sign off, I wanna ask if you've ever wanted to make changes to your health and wellness, but have felt overwhelmed or confused. Let's stop this overwhelm and make healthy eating, cooking, and living easier and more fun. Head over to simplynicknutrition.com and go to the freebies page to get started on your wellness journey. Thank you again for tuning in and I hope this episode provides value and that you are inspired to live a healthier, happier, and more balanced life.